ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Season 2 of The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network, the premier place to get all your sports news and information regarding the Yeshiva League. The Court Report comes to you every Sunday night at 7 p.m., as well as an encore presentation on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. right here on the Nachum Siegel Network, nachumsiegel.com. Every week we will take a look back and a look ahead at all things Yeshiva League. Had a game this week? Let us know. Friend me on Facebook. Uh, send me a message. My name is Elliot Weiselberg, W-E-I-S-E-L-B-E-R-G. Or like the Court Report fan page. Or do both. You can also follow me and tweet me on Twitter. My name is YLS Wise Guy. That's Y-L-S-W-E-I-S-G-U-Y. Because if I don't know about it, we can't talk about it right here. Again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, coach, official, analyst, but most of all, like you, I am a huge Yeshiva League fan, and I am humbled and privileged to be able to share the amazing efforts and accomplishments of these kids each and every week with you right here on The Court Report. If you have a smartphone and haven't downloaded the NSN app already, please do so. You'll have access to all of last season's episodes of The Court Report. Plus, you'll also be able to send in comments for each show. Please do me a favor, keep the comments nice. Uh, Much like the show is not about me criticizing, degrading, or disrespecting players or coaches, please be courteous enough to follow suit and not post anything of such on the, the comment board. Today is November 2nd. I hope you all set your clocks back an hour, and I'm sure you have because you're listening to me live at 7 o'clock right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm going to take you through week two's worth of action in the basketball and hockey leagues, and then we're going to get to our girls' sports round table, which I'll explain in a couple of minutes. We're going to start off with hockey. Major upsets this week, especially Thursday night. One of those matchups on Thursday night was an interconference battle between Frisch and DRS last year in the semifinals. DRS dominated Frisch 8-1. to Frisch came in looking for a little bit of revenge and got it. Senior Odi Haramadi netted a hat-trick, a natty hattie, as Frisch took a 3-0 lead, would not relinquish the lead, despite two goals, one by Ethan Felder and Yehuda Simon for the Wildcats, Frisch going away with the 3-2 upset victory. Also in interconference matchups this week, Ramaz defeated Flopush last Sunday 4-1. For the Rams, Cameron Valinsky, Brian Agus, Bradley Brecher, and Elliot Barrett scored goals. For Flatbush, Cameron's cousin Ben Valinsky scored late in the third to no avail, as again Ramaz defeated the Falcons 4-1. to Also in interconference action, SAR topped North Shore 5-2. to Jack Schwabe scored two goals in the victory. Now, getting back to in-conference action, uh, Flatbush reversed their fortunes, and North Shore's slide continues as Flatbush dominated North Shore 6-1 to Thursday night in another upset. Ben Valinsky scored four goals. Saul Sasson added two and two assists in the victory. In another Eastern Conference showdown over the week, Hank and Rambam met up in Hank in both teams' first game of the season, first period. Josh Wingroski nets one for the Hurricanes. Rambam would tie it up with 50 seconds left in the period. Later on in the game, Wingroski would add another to put Hank up 2-1. to one. Rambam would again tie it up, and with Charlie Altman standing on his head, to overtime we would go. 40 seconds into the period, Josh Wengroski did it again, giving Hank their first win on the year, sending them to 1-0 record, and sending Rambam home with only one point with a record of 0-0-0-1. In other East action, DRS defeats Mag and David 6-2. Now let's head out west, where the hottest team on the young season so far is the Kushner Cobras. Kushner had two wins this week. First, 
defeating MTA 4-2. Effie Alman, Alec Rabinowitz, and Elon Slonim each scored for the Cobras, Slonim adding two. Following that up, they defeated JEC 8-0 on Saturday night. A hat-trick by Lewis Rees, two more by Rabinowitz, two by Seth Wengroski, following up with his cousin's big week, and another by Elon Slonim, giving him eight and four games. So, it looks as if this is a good week for Cousins, with the Volinskys and the Wengroskis each having solid weeks. But Elon Slonim is the big story. Last year, Kushner started off their season with Ellie Schwartz being the big goal scorer. Slonim, though not quite being on the same pace as Schwartz was, has definitely been that big scorer for Kushner this season. In other West action, TABC started off its season defeating Ramaz 4-1, and Frisch dominates Heschel 15-0. So here are the standings as they stand first week, uh, sorry, second week of the regular season. In the East, DRS and Flatbush are both 1-1. One one. Hank is 1-0. Oh. All three teams have two points. Rambam follows them up with an 0-0-0-1 record with one point. Hafter and Solomon Schechter have yet to play a game. They're both 0-0. Zero zero. Mag and David is 0-1. Oh North Shore is 0-3. Oh On the other end of things, in the West... Kushner starts off hot 4-0. Frisch, after their double-up this week, is 2-0. TABC and SAR are both 1-0. MTA is 1-1. Ramaz 1-2. JEC, after two years of uh, reeling off big victories to start the season, two years ago against Flatbush, last year against SAR, this year is at 0-2. And Heschel, the newbies to the league, are also at 0-2. Let's move on to JV now. We're going to start out in the West, where TABC defending champions opened up with a 5-2 victory over Amaz on Thursday night. Also taking a victory this week was Frisch, who dominated Westchester in their first game in the West 11-0. SAR also defeated Hillel 6-0. Sophomore Solomon Freilich led the team with two goals. Gordy Kolb, Shua Friedman, Jay Beerin, and Adam Weiss each had one. So a lot of freshman contribution there, especially by goalie uh, Jacob Neowitz, who put up the shutout. Speaking of freshman contributions, JEC defeated MTA 5-1. to This game had all freshmen scoring. Arie Marcus, uh, four points, two goals, two assists. Alicia Schmutter, two goals. And Mordecai Scheinson also added one. Now let's move over to the East, where Flatbush started off their season with a 7-1 absolute shellacking of North Shore. Sophomore Nathan Masseri scored two goals. Natanel Nemed and Sam Laniato each had one goal and two assists. Also this week, Hank defeated Shari Torah in their first game in JV, 11 to nothing. Hat-tricks by freshman Jacob Schwartzman and Josh Blitzstein. Speaking with the Shari Torah AD, he informed me that apparently Hank had 108 shots on net on the night. So, very good night shooting for Hank, although not if you look at the shooting percentage. Also this week, DRS defeated Mag and David 2-1. The Warriors' Michael Mamie had a chance to tie the game with under a minute to go, but ended up hitting the post behind Noah Wilkowski to give DRS the victory. So with Noah Wilkowski starting this game, Jakey Friedman starting the last game, one can possibly assume that A.J. Chester will start the next game for DRS. So is this going to be a rotation that Larry Gross is going to go with? Is Jakey Friedman going to play the bigger games? Is he going to stay within this rotation? I guess we'll see over the next couple of weeks. 
And also in action, Rambam defeated YDE in their welcome back to the JV League after a two-year hiatus, destroying them. Final score of 18-2. to I think it would be easier telling you who didn't score for Rambam rather than telling you who did. We're now going to move over to basketball. In basketball this week, Hank defeated Rambam by the score of 71-62. to Adam Garari had 35 points for the Hurricanes. So with Matovic's uh, points last week and Garari's points in this game, that's 77 points by two players in two games uh, led up by Rambam's defense. Speaking of Derek Hattora, DRS opened its league season with an 84-35 win over Derek Hattora. All DRS players got in the scoring column. Gabe Leifer led the way with 22 points, Yehuda Shine adding 13. Adam Matovic led Derek Hattora with 19. Derek Hattora also played against Mag and David this week. Uh, YDH led by two at the half. Mag and David pulled away in the second session, winning 66-55. Matovic, name you here again, uh, scored 36 to lead all scorers. Jack Shabar led Magan with 26. So looking at uh, Matovic's three games, he had the 42 against Rambam, you had the 19 against DRS, and the 36 against Magan David. That's 91 points so far, 30 and a third uh, uh, points on uh, points per game for Matovic. We'll be able to continue this as the season goes along. Well, I guess we'll see uh, over the next few weeks. Out west, MTA lost to Hillel by 20 early on this week, but sort of made up for it a little later on in the week, playing TABC to a double overtime loss. JEC blew out Kushner, and Frisch started what could appear to be a championship season. I guess it's a little too early on to say that, but a a domination of SAR with a 58-37 victory. Moving over to JV basketball, Hank defeated Ezra 52-36. Shari Torah lost 44-41 to YDE uh, after YDE built a 15-1 lead. Shari Torah fought all the way back, taking an 8-point lead going into the end of the third. However, a fourth-quarter meltdown by Shari gave YDE a 3-point lead, and with a few seconds left, Shari Torah's David Sasson attempted a 3-pointer but came up short, giving YDE the victory. As I said a couple of weeks ago, we're still waiting on the schedule to be finalized. So if you haven't heard of a game that was played on this report, please, you need to let us know about it. I can only report what I hear from you guys, and I need you to inform me of the games that are going on so I can inform everybody else. Please let me know of any games being played over the last week or next week. This way we can get the results out. Also, once again, if you're interested in becoming a part of the Court Report team, over the next few weeks we'll be putting together our junior broadcast team. Hopefully we will have some contributions from our teams. Several of them have already been made up. Varsity Hockey, JV Hockey are ready and raring to go, and over the next few weeks they will be doing so. We're still looking for people in the basketball world, JV and Varsity end, who are looking to contribute and have a little bit of fun in the process. Please, again, if you or anyone you know is interested, contact me. So now that we've gone through the scores of the week, it's time to go to an area that we haven't so much touched in the past. Last year, with the show being a half hour, we tried to touch on everything that we possibly could in order to give you, our audience, all the information regarding the Yeshiva League. Knowing the audience was mostly interested in boys' sports, we stuck mostly to boys' sports while giving a few little tidbits of girls' sports here and there. Uh, over the off-season, over the summer, 
got together with a few athletic directors, and we decided that it was time to make a real push for girls' sports. The girls contribute just as much, if not more so, to some schools than the boys' contributions. So to leave them out, it didn't feel right. And this week, I was able to sit down with three athletic directors of different schools in the tri-state area, all with teams in the Yeshiva League, to sort of work out the current state of girls' sports, the importance of girls' sports, the not only to the league, but to the girls itself, and also to the contributions that they have to their particular schools, how the schools are trying to encourage their student body to rally around these girls' sports, and how they're trying to improve girls' sports in their schools and around the league as well. The conversation that we had is very telling about exactly how passionate these three athletic directors are about pushing girls' sports. And I hope you enjoy the uh, the back and forth that we had uh, between us. I think it was really informative, and I really hope that it sparks an initiative around the league for more girls' sports to be not only discussed, but to also want to be discussed. I want to apologize in advance for the quality of the mic work. Uh, with four people involved and only two microphones, we tried our best to ensure that we got everybody's voices as much as possible. Fortunately, the voice that was uh, muffled the most was probably mine. So as long as you heard the responses from these athletic directors, I think you get the point of what we were trying to discuss. But again, I apologize in advance. Uh, if it's a little muffled, then that's my fault, and I'm going to work to correct that in the future. But here it is anyways. On our last two shows, we've covered boys hockey and boys basketball. Throughout all of last year, this show centered on boys hockey and boys basketball. Over the summer, a push was made, a joint effort to increase the time that we have on this show so that the spotlight could shine brighter on another group of athletes that proudly wear their school's colors but are generally featured less prominently than the other two areas that we've covered so far. Uh, of course, we're talking about the girls of the Yeshiva League. Today's discussion will be about the state of girls' sports, the importance of girls' sports, and how to best shine the spotlight to give our girls a sense that what they do is every bit as important as their male counterparts. Joining me today is Eric Amkraut. Eric Amkraut is currently the athletic director of Yeshiva Flatbush. Previously, Eric has served as the director of physical education for the Anglican International School of Jerusalem in Israel and founder of the Israel Football League, as well as athletic director in the New Jersey public school system. Also joining me today is Irene Eisdorfer. Irene is the athletic director at Shlamis High School in Brooklyn, where she also serves as the girls' volleyball coach. Irene is credited with bringing sports to the Catskills 30 years ago and is active in camps in the firm community, and is also a former Russian volleyball Olympian. Finally, joining us today via telephone is Susan Rifkin. Susan is the athletic director for Breweria High School, and coach of the girls' basketball team. Thank you for thank you for joining me today, guys. I, I greatly appreciate you taking the time to speak with me on this. Our pleasure. Thank you for having us. My pleasure. June 23, 1972, Title IX is enacted. Title IX states no person in the U.S. shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any educational program. While it doesn't exclusively mention sports, this phrase has been brought into it to include athletics. Now, while there are certain requirements or qualifications that surround Title IX, where it may not apply to certain schools or certain types of schools, the point of bringing it up is not to discuss the merits and requirements, but rather the impact of Title IX to the greater educational world. So I want to start with you, Eric. Coming from the public school sector, 
What did Title IX mean in the non-yeshiva world? Well, Title IX was significant, and and I would tell you I saw the first effects of it when I was working uh, at the university level at Rutgers in the early 90s, where within my framework we worked very hard to make sure that we were providing equal opportunity for girls, for women, in terms of both what was offered and the quality of what was offered. And that addressed facilities, uh, travel, etc., things of that nature. And that also trickled over into what you saw in the public schools. So from a public school standpoint, there was a big push to make sure that not only was there equality in terms of what was offered, in terms of if we offer two levels of boys' basketball, we need two levels of girls' basketball. If we're offering two levels of boys' baseball, two levels of girls' softball. If we're offering boys' lacrosse, we need to offer uh, girls' lacrosse, things of that nature. But it went far beyond that uh, in terms of what we offer in terms of facilities. Uh, which team is playing on a field that's close to the school, and does the team have to travel further away? And if that's the case, what are we doing to try and create balance so that it's not an inequality where the boys are playing nearby, close to the locker rooms and close to the buildings all the time, when the girls have to travel maybe four or five blocks away to get to their field? Um, so that's an issue that was out there and that were things that we were addressing uh, within the public schools. And there's, there's a very high level of consciousness and awareness uh, across the board because public schools get public funding and public funding is often tied into Title IX and making sure that you're in compliance. Susan and Irene, I do not know whether the Yeshiva Girls League stretches back to the 70s, but as someone who's been involved in the Yeshiva League for over 20 years, as each, as each of you are, where were we and how far have we come? I played high school basketball in the 80s. We were a little bit late in coming into the league. First, has been around for a while, Wilkinson, that has been that I hear what Suzanne is talking about, I could remember that when I came to school in 1990, Shulamit School didn't have any athletical uh, teams, or they didn't play sports at all. And being that uh, my girls was in Shulamit School, I wanted so much to bring some sports, athletical teams to the school. But uh, when I approached my principal, she was uh, uh, adamant to listen to it because she says, you know, this is a Jewish school and we are from school and I don't know where this is going to go. But I didn't give up. Every year I would come back and ask again and again and finally, a year later, Dr. Susan Katz, who was a principal at that time, gave me a chance to, to start a little something within the school. 
Little did we know that uh, in a year's time, the girls were so much involved. They formed the basketball team first, and uh, both years, in 91 and 92, we won the championship. Then I had the girls who took over the basketball, and I started volleyball team because this is my sport, since I play in, in Russia, an Olympic team for volleyball. And uh, I must say today, uh, Shulamis School has a basketball team, a volleyball team, and even the eighth graders have a basketball team now. So uh, I'm very excited about that. It became a long way. I remember I went to Prospect Yeshiva, and I wanted also to bring uh, sports there, and they escorted me. There's no way that I could do that. And till today, I don't believe that they still have, they want to play uh, exhibition uh, games. But uh, I do give them a chance sometimes. Last year, they came to play. But I uh, tell them that it's not fair that they should sign and be a part of the league. But they're still not there, those uh, moth room yeshivas. But my school, Shulami School, is very active, and I'm very excited about it. This is a great lead into my next uh, my next talk about the individual schools. There's a reason for the variety of the panelists that I have here. The girls' yeshiva leagues, for the most part, but not for every sport, is broken down to two leagues, an A league and a B league. In terms of who we have here, Flatbush plays in the A league, Shalamis in the B league. Ruria avails itself to both. So for the folks listening in, let's let's describe how the leagues differ and what dictates where you choose to play. Uh, Irene, do you want to describe the B League? Yes, I would like to describe the B League. So as I said already, they would let me form a volleyball and a basketball team under one condition, that uh, I would go to other schools and make a phone calls and make specifically request that our B League would be played only with the girls only. That means the referee, a lady, spectators, only ladies, no boys and no men are allowed while the game is played. So it was very difficult because it was kind of strange to other people who Flatbush Yeshiva and Bruria had already established and they were part of the A-League and they had no problem. But as I was so... Uh, pursuing my goal and my, my desire to Shulamis to join the league. Uh, Rabbi Black called couple school and there we form a beginning was couple schools like four or five school they join and therefore like Bruria we have A team and B team because they have too many students they want to do so they don't mind to have these two leagues. So that's how we became a separate B-League. Uh, they call them Skirts League. There's no boys and there's no men allowed. And we're doing pretty good. It's doing very nicely. Eric, uh, would you like to describe the A-League? Well, that, that is, in, in essence, the big difference. Is the A-League allows uh, male spectators, there are male officials, male coaches at times, uh, and it's, it's more open that way. Uh, but that really, I would, I would assume is the biggest difference between the A and the B league. In terms of quality, that deals with what your school has, and, and a larger school has a tendency to have uh, a larger pool of athletes to choose from. But that in and of itself wouldn't dictate that a B league team uh, would lose any time to compete with an A league team, and I, and I would venture a guess that that doesn't happen. It appears that the difference between the two leagues 
is basically along hashkafic lines. Would that be correct to note that it's hashkafically divided? Well, I think it's more of, of what the community feels more comfortable with. Now, Susan, given that your school participates in both leagues, would you say that your school doesn't see itself divided along the same lines, or that your focus is on promoting more sports for your teams by competing in both leagues? Uh, being part of both teams, it does a couple of things. It serves the diverse community and school population of Berea, which is a phenomenal, we're so fortunate to be in an environment that, that does that, that has a bunch of kids who want to play all kinds of sports, and a hypothetically diverse that has uh, personal and philosophical um, preferences, and the school, and there are enough of them that the school can meet their needs, and field teams of 12 or 13 or 14 kids. None of the teams have fewer, you know, than that can. So there are kids, qualified, talented, skilled kids who um, have these hushed up preferences or whatnot and, and have their needs served. Um, so, so it's just a matter of being diverse, having full population that has enough enough girls in it to, to uh, the state of you know, meet the preferences uh, also. Um, but basically, the, the difference is the hush you know, uh, the preference to play in front of women only or, or to um, want to play in front of them. What would your response be to School X, a modern Orthodox school in the New York, New Jersey area, that chooses not to participate in a girls' sports league at all based on the issue, the issue of hush Well, I would, I would tell you, I think that the compromise that the Yeshiva League has put in place really addresses that because by creating a, set, a setting for a, quote, B league where the competition in the environment is female only, uh, to me there's no excuse not to participate in that sense because the only issue that you could have is the exposure uh, uh, or participating in that setting that you could say, well, it's inappropriate, we don't want our, our girls being viewed by men in that setting. So if you remove the men from that setting, there really shouldn't be an issue. I'm very excited about uh, having the girls playing separately because I've come to notice that lately the society is such that uh, sports allows you to be more cool and, and uh, uh, gave you a chance to bring a boyfriend to the game. I don't know if it's uh, politically correct or not, but I'm very happy to stay in, in uh, such environment as a B-League, girls leagues only, because I myself matured and grew coming from Russia. I became more room and, and uh, I feel myself comfortable to be in such environment. I wouldn't want to hang out uh, outside uh, on the stadiums and playing and be exposed. So I think I'm happy with uh, where the Shulamit stands right now. And I, don't, I could encourage others uh, to participate. And I see in league that uh, some girls are playing in skirts, some girls are playing in pants. As long as they play the sports and they enjoy it, I'm, I'm okay with it. So I think we all agree that the dividing lines don't matter as much as the fact that the sports are available for the girls to participate in. But, you know, I, I think that's a real key point because regardless of what school you're in, what your setting is, whether it's a public school or a private school, uh, one of the nice things that I think that's come out of Title IX are a number of studies that have really taken a look at what athletics means to girls in particular. And, you know, we, we don't always look at that in terms of boys. We say, well, boys are always participating. They're always coming out for athletics. And there was not a whole lot of push for girls. Uh, and the result of Title IX and the need for equality 
That in and of itself certainly pushed a lot of girls towards participation. It certainly pushed institutions into pushing their population, their, their female population to participate. But perhaps the best thing that's come out of it are some of these studies that we now have significant data to tell us there are significant benefits to the female population that participates in competitive athletics. So, for example, and, and I brought some data that, that, uh, that I found for you, there was a 2007 study that showed that women who played sports in high school were 73% more likely to earn a college degree within six years of graduating high school than those who did not play a sport. Now, that's not taking a look at the yeshiva population. That's taking a look at the female population in general. Uh, then on top of that, that playing sport conveys other beneficial outcomes, such as girls and young women who engage in sport are less likely to be overweight or obese, which is a major issue in the American population in general. They're less likely to be depressed. They're less likely to smoke. They're less likely to get involved in illegal drugs. On top of that, suicide or sexual victimization is significantly lower in girls and young women who are engaged in sport. They gain confidence and self-esteem, and that in and of itself is probably the greatest benefit and probably the, the strongest reasoning behind why we should be offering our girls athletic opportunities and why we should be pushing them to that part, to participation. Very well said. Just on a personal note, in addition to the coaching and broadcasting that I do, I also have the opportunity to, in the spring, officiate in the Girls Hockey League. I, I've been able to make several observations, but I think one that I'm very adamant about is that the New Jersey high schools, who have comprised the two teams in the finals for at least the last six years that I've been involved, are far ahead of their New York counterparts. I attribute that to the fact that the New Jersey girls have something that the New York schools do not, and that is a junior high girls hockey league. I've had discussions with Eliza Hiller, the initial founder of the girls junior hockey league in New Jersey, in an attempt to learn how it all started there, as I hope to pursue the same route for the New York junior high schools this coming year. Now, for each of you in turn, I come to your school. You are athletic director or principal. What issues can I expect to encounter when talking to you, and how would you suggest I go about trying to overcome those issues to your satisfaction? I would imagine you would be asked about the rate of uh, injury, um, contact, visits, violence, all those sorts of things. Safety first. Um, what other schools do you uh, do you expect to to um, have participate in who you're playing against? Those are probably two of the big ones. Another, of course, who are the kids going to be uh, playing against? Um, I think those would be the two big ones. Eric, as one of the people I would be talking to if I were to talk to Flatbush from the New York League. Well, it's very interesting that you asked that because one of the big issues that, that I encountered when I took this position a little over a year ago was the, um, the real shortage of athletic programs at our middle school uh, in terms of what feeds into the high school. And that's not just about hockey. It's about everything. And if you took a look at girls' athletics at the middle school, the only thing that we offer and the only thing we offered coming into this year was two levels of basketball, a 7th and 8th grade team and a 6th grade team. And the 6th grade team had little comp had minimal uh, competition available because just not a lot of schools field the 6th grade girls' basketball team. But that was all that we offered. Um, and I will tell you that our girls were not comfortable with that. They've already approached me on numerous occasions looking for more. One of the nice things that's developed out of that this year is that the middle school athletic league that governs basketball and really basketball exclusively is looking to expand this this spring and that uh, the league itself 
will offer competition in both boys and girls indoor soccer and boys and girls softball, uh, which for me is fantastic. It's another avenue for, for A, giving our middle school students competitive opportunities, and B, uh, allowing them to develop and feed into programs that we offer at the high school. But specific to hockey, which you mentioned, is, is kind of interesting because I've had a number of girls when I've come to supervise phys ed classes approach me and, and request specifically, can we play hockey? So one of the things we're looking to do this spring is to run an intramural hockey program, which is really the first step into finding out, is there really interest in this program, where we'll spend hopefully one day a week in the spring, where we'll designate the gym available for girls floor hockey, and hopefully have at least enough to field two teams, if not four teams, and play round-robin play within the school itself. If that's successful, that's something that would then hopefully feed into the high school where we could then possibly offer a hockey program for our girls at the high school level. That's a separate issue because then we start talking about numbers and how many teams can you field when we try and limit participation to one Yeshiva League sport per season. But from a, uh, from a junior high school standpoint, that's sort of the approach what, that we would take. But uh, we have to question, what's the student population for the junior high uh, that you're talking about? In terms of our total numbers? Yeah, what, what, what are the numbers of, of kids you have? I, I don't know the numbers that break down by grade. I can tell you at the high school, uh, we've got obviously four grades at the high school with over 700 students, 700, close to 750 students at the high school level alone. Um, and our numbers at the, middle, at the elementary level and our middle division uh, probably are proportional, maybe a little bit smaller but not much. Obviously, at the, at the high school level, we have okay. students who feed from other right. so schools to finish eighth grade. Also, in terms of you know, coming to the to the school and having It's interesting you mention that because I do think we're not that far different in that you know there are, there are many more middle school options uh, in, within the yeshiva world than there are yeshiva high schools, certainly not uh, that are the framework of the kinds of schools that we are. Therefore, the middle schools certainly would tend to be smaller in population. But in terms of feeding what we have at the high school, I think, you know, I think you're right. You're, you're looking at numbers, but on the small scale, I think our approach to an intramural program is, is, is the right way to start. Uh, because then you find out, do you really have the interest? And then, okay, the interest there, we reach out to expand to some of the right. other schools in the so area. That's a great conversation for us to have off of this conversation, off of this football. Absolutely. Irene, I, I get the sense that that, there, that for, for Shalamis, it may be a little bit of column A, column B, where Shalamis may not have the numbers if I were to approach for, for girls hockey. And it may also be the Hashkafic issue. Do you see that as being the case? At this moment, I don't see it to be a case because Shulamis School is uh, under reconstruction. We are rebuilding ourselves. Shulamis uh, lost a lot of, of their students, and uh, we are rebuilding right now. And as we speak, we are looking for a new campus because the building has been sold, and I don't know what... Uh, uh, gym facilities we will have a new, a new building if we find one soon and uh, as Elliot you mentioning uh, that would be very much against halacha 
Hashkofa Deke thing, so I I haven't difficulties to have volleyball and basketball. I'm very excited. The middle school has a team now, and the kids are excited. But uh, Eric is talking about 700 kids in high school, where I have 100 kids barely. So uh, I'm happy that I could uh, collect kids uh, for volleyball and basketball team. Never mind the hockey and soccer and all the other teams that kids are asking to participate. But my goal is, before I would retire, I'd like to see that Shulamis would have uh, one day uh, some other athletical uh, teams, and one of them maybe be a hockey. One day, you never know. I asked a few minutes ago about how far we've come. Now, I want to ask, where do we as a league still lack? How can we attempt to change it? And what are some initiatives that you've each uh, started in your schools, or your schools have started, that help that process? Well, I would would tell you the sense of what's going on at the middle school. In terms of sparking interest or building and developing interest, um, the fact that the Yeshiva League, the middle school Yeshiva League, is looking to expand its offerings, and the expanded offerings are equal to boys and girls, is a real positive sign. Um, In terms of what we do at the high school and and some of the things that we've put in place uh, since I've come on board, there there was a strong push last year for for our boys basketball team to travel and to take part in tournaments. Now, with across the country, there are many more opportunities for boys to do that. So, uh, for example, last year our boys basketball team went to the prestigious Cooper tournament in, uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, and it was an outstanding, outstanding event and a great experience for our kids. But had we not gone to Memphis, there are tournaments in Boston. There's tournaments in, in Baltimore. There are tournaments around the country for boys basketball and multiple opportunities. For the girls, as far as I know, there's only one destination that runs a varsity girls tournament. Now, this year, we are going to be attending that tournament. Our girls are extremely, extremely excited because from a standpoint at Flatbush, our girls have never traveled anywhere before to compete. Um, so I know there are other Yeshiva League schools that have taken part in the, uh, in the tournament that's down in Miami Beach in February, uh, but we never have. So from our standpoint, it's a real step forward and a sense in terms of a message to our community that if our boys are traveling, we're going to find an opportunity for our girls to travel. That if we do something for our boys, we want to make sure we're doing it for our girls as well. Eric, what you said about the tournament is, is true, and I'll be interested to hear what the girls say when they come back. They'll, they'll be changed individually and, and as a team forever, and let me know if it's, if it's otherwise, okay, because um, last year was the first year we didn't travel to the tournament. Um, we did the different we went to after one year and we went to the tournament in Maryland uh, my second year, this is my my fourth uh, year. Last year we didn't go to a tournament and there was a noticeable difference in the dynamic in the team. And I attributed it partly to um, to us not going away together uh, to a tournament. So there's really a noticeable difference. I can absolutely see that because I, I can tell you such a big difference. So uh, you should be Oh, I'm really excited about it. And, and, and I can see exactly what you're saying because I saw it with our boys' basketball team last year. And maybe it has a lot to do with the Cooper tournament coming so early in the school year that it really happens almost before you get involved in league play. And the camaraderie that our boys came back from Memphis with really, really served them well in terms of helping them develop as a team and really achieve what they did on the court as well as off the court, the only shame that I, the, the only the only uh, shame about when the girls 
travel is that it's at the end of the season and not at the beginning of the season. Right, exactly. And a lot of times there's just a limited, uh, there aren't that many. There, there are just a few around here. Some of them are specifically for out-of-towners or, or things like that. So you really have to be grateful that you got in and, and that you're going. But don't be so different. Um, I'm, I'm so and you know, I wonder who's more excited. And obviously, I'm excited for them because I know what they're going to come away with. They're excited because hey, they're traveling and they're representing their school. But I, I, I tend to agree with you. What they're going to come back with, they're not even aware of how how great this experience is going to be for them. Uh, which is actually part of the whole conversation about the importance of girl sports. The the tournament is just an icing or a topper to the overall experience, which is. Uh, Eric, you mentioned it, the the, um, the confidence booster and the dynamic and learning learning accountability and then one one that you're each responsible for yourself and each other um, and, and and the contributions that you make or sometimes that you're not making events of teams and you need to be aware of, of those things and that's part of what they learn on the court and, and I know you mentioned statistics Eric um, you can't measure the confidence you know, some of the feedback we get in the school that the being on a team makes such a difference to kids' lives. There was a turning point for, for different decisions that they made in school. Or, you know, one kid told me she, in our championship game, not against Flatbush actually, um, <laughs> that she wouldn't have had the confidence in the prior season to take that shot that she took. Or, you know, and regularly we get this feedback that this being on a team has made such a big and valuable difference in these kids' lives that it's worth it to get the teams or help meet their needs in order for them to get out there and really express themselves and, and meet kids upperclassmen, uh, kids from different backgrounds or whatnot, in, in ways that they normally wouldn't because they're in a, in a different grade or in a different class um, or just not in, a, in a, the circle with these kids. And it exposes them to so much that they're walking away with the education and experience equal to that that they're getting in the classroom. Irene, any way you'd like to see the league improve as it, as it pertains to the B-League? B-League, I'd like to see more teams involved. And my wish, my dream would be, I don't think it's going to happen, or it might take another 30 years to see it to fruition, mm-hmm. That uh, like Prosper Party Shiva, Besiako Yeshiva, and uh, all other local Frum Yeshiva, very Frum Yeshivas, that they would allow girls to play sports as well. I would not say that they would have, maybe they should form a C League, so it would be A, B, and a C League, which I would support 100%. So I would Ford not. Is turning over in his bed right now. Wondering why we're doing this to him. Uh, C meaning whatever we have now, it's fine. We could improve so uh, to continue this, but the C League would mean that Prospect Park Yeshiva, BYA Yeshiva, uh, all other Yeshivas that I have kids in camp, in Banos camp, in Baisenu, in Sternberg, in Camp Tabi, you should only see the faces of the girls, how they hollering, they they dying to play sports. When I come there, it's Olympic Day, but Irene is one. And there's so many camps, and there's so many yeshivas, and my hands are tight because they don't allow me 
to take it further within the school they would like to do, but I cannot pursue them to join the league. So if somebody would come along and says, look, there is a C league, and this is going to be only you, like Prospect, BYA, Mahon, all the other schools, and that's okay, five, six school, and they could play in skirts. We play um, uh, with pants. They should play in skirts, long skirts, whatever skirts, with long sleeves. Uh, I would go myself to be a referee, but if they had a chance to play, but I don't, I doubt it. They would allow them because they says uh, playing ball it's a goyish thing and it's against their hashgafas. And believe me, I tried. I, I went to all the schools and I. And, and they know me that I do what I do and they said it's fine summertime in camps it's okay to play but when they come back they would go they want to we don't have gym facilities so they would want to go to the park and we don't want that which I understand but uh, my wish and dream and my goal would be that um, we should consider maybe to form a C league and the uh, representative would uh, call the principal of those schools, and maybe they would agree. So that would be really nice if, if we have, if we give uh, opportunity and chance for all the kids. After all, we're all Jewish, we all have one God, one Hashem, and uh, those girls would need to have opportunity also to excel and to play. I'm not saying that they should go play in our college teams or other teams, but within the school, I don't see anything wrong if they have. And if somebody would come along and help me to form, I would 100% give my all effort, and I would try to help them to form a C-League, as I did 30 years ago with this B-League. The B-League... It's not such a fair league, I must say, and, and I don't know, uh, Shulam is, uh, is coming to play this week, Flatbush Yeshiva, because I feel it's not fair, they don't have a fair competition, and my girls, it's true, they win championship every year, but as being as a coach, uh, I don't think because they're the best, they're so good, it's just because the B League is a weaker league, what happens is, that the stronger girls want to play in an A-League, which is, uh, has more wide range, many, many more schools, and uh, from 700 kids in Flatbush, you could make couple teams, and therefore, it could be A-League stronger team. They don't have a B-League team, but if they have, they would also be strong, because it's just too many of them. Other schools are not so big as Flatbush, so if they take an A-League, everybody wants to be an A-League because it plays and boys could come. And B-Leagues, not so strong goals. So therefore, Shulamis is in a B-League and they don't have strong competition, I believe. And they're too good. I, I practice with them twice a week. And, and they play on a higher level. They just don't have a right competition. Down to our last couple of questions. Um, Susan. You and I were talking last night about the first few weeks of the court report. We talked all summer about how one of the big problems on the show last year was not so much the lack of interest and not also maybe not so much the lack of time, but more the lack of information being transmitted. One of the things I mentioned to you was that in the last 10 days, I've received 10 boys hockey scores, five boys basketball scores, but only one girls sports recap. Can that be attributed to the young season, or is this part of a problem that our leagues aren't making use of the available resources 
as we once did to spread around information, for example, when you know, when the jump shot was around? Uh, I, would, I would think it's a combination of the young season. I just saw the schedule for the upcoming games, and they're only um, a couple of girls games on it. Until um, November second, so I don't think there's that many games that have been played so far. So that could be one piece of it. Um, the other piece, though, I, I would attribute um, to the lack of information that you're getting, and, and the lack of participation. Now, how can we, as a group, work together to resolve this issue? Well, I think there has to be more of a responsibility put up, put on our coaches to make sure that they get their reports in. Uh, in a very timely fashion. I require that my coaches let me know on, at the end of away games what the score is, who won, some of the important data, so that I can put that up on our website so we can share that with our own community and, and through that make it available to anybody who really has access to a computer. Um, but that, that's a big part of it. That, that goes with boys and girls together uh, in terms of gathering that information and putting the onus on the coaches when there are away games to share that information with their, with their athletic offices. Uh, beyond that, then it becomes incumbent upon us as the athletic directors to embellish upon that and to spread uh, the information to the, to the larger community to say, hey, here's where you can find out about it. Um, certainly you, in terms of the, uh, the work that you do with the court report, have a significant role in helping disseminate that information, but you can only disseminate it when you get it from us. One of, one of the things that we started in school, which could be a way to help, is there are kids in school who want to be involved, they're just not athletic, or they're trying out for teams, and, and they didn't make it for, so for whatever reason. What we've done is created different kinds of positions for them. We've created uh, PR positions and administrative assistant positions. So for me, I have three girls who are helping me if we need the, the forms in, they'll collect the forms, or we need the contact information for, for the girl, for the, for the uh, athletes. So we collected uh, that sort of information. Then we have PR, a PR staff of two girls. They make sure that their flyers are all over the school. Um, the next piece of that could be uh, to have those girls write the articles and submit them the variety of places that we need to. So that way you're getting it on the student office level. And what better way, really, to, to bring excitement than when your friend tells you something is exciting. I mean, for me to say, come to a game or, uh, or write an article is I agree with you 100%. If you can get your students to take a reporter kind of role uh, where they're, they're basically giving a small write-up of what their classmates did, where they're the ones taking the pictures and then they screen through and pull out the two or three that they put with the article, uh, that's the ideal because then they're vested in what's going on and they also have that connection to their, to their peers. We want to develop that. That really is the ideal way to go. 
from each of you, what would be the one thing you'd want listeners to know about girls' sports that we may not know that may catch their attention and grab them to listen in when we're talking about girls' sports? I would tell you the one thing that they probably don't know that we on the inside know is that our girls compete just as hard as the boys, sometimes even harder, that many of our coaches find that when they, they coach both boys and girls, they find that what the girls bring is an even higher level of intensity than some of our boys. And some of our boys' sports are very, very high intensity. Um, so I would say that's probably something a lot of people, a lot of our, your listeners, might not realize about how our girls approach competition. Well, my girls in Shulam, is, uh, it's, it's amazing to see how dedicated they are to the sports. They don't miss uh, practices. And if I'm not there, they're there alone and just instruct them what to do. And they put so much hard work and effort into the sports. And they just enjoy it. They see how long they've come. They like the spotlight. We have a uh, phenomenal uh, new rabbi. He has a website. And every week after every game it gets posted. The pictures are on. We announce by the davening the winner. We promote uh, sports and we support. Susan, final word. People would be surprised by the level of commitment. We have a kids meeting in the gym at 9.30 at practice night um, most weeks. And then after a full day of school, which most of you kids are, are in until 5.30 or whatnot. And somebody, I run two practices on the same night. So if you have, and I, I alternate, so not every team is getting the same uh, late night or early night. So the kids who are getting the later practice are starting their practice at 7.30 and ending at 9.30. Anybody who would come to see our teams play, they're going to see a fundamentally sound, exciting brand of basketball that you would see if you if you took the gender out of it, you would see it on any good basketball court. And it shouldn't be a matter of gender. It's a matter of you want to see good basketball, you want to get it on or sports, you want to get excited by something. Well, there's definitely work to be done, but I feel that if we work together as a group, we can definitely make great headway in what we discussed today. I want to thank you all for your time. Good luck to you and your respective schools. And I hope that more people take the initiative upon themselves to shine the light on these athletes as you have today. Thank you very much, Elliot. Thanks a lot, Elliot. This is Thanks. fantastic. Again, you're listening to The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg. What you just heard was the panel discussion that we had this past week between myself, Irene Eisdorfer of Shalamis, Susan Rifkin of Bruria, and Eric Amkraut of Flatbush. It was a conversation on girls' sports, which I think really got to the heart of the matter of the state of girls' sports in the Yeshiva League and how we think that it can improve, how we can improve our coverage. And I really hope that everyone takes it upon themselves to help us out in shining the spotlight on these girls who are involved in a very, very vital aspect of their lives, which means as much to them as it does to the boys, and it's about time we began treating it that way. In the spirit of kicking things off for the girls' leagues, next week we're going to run through each of the girls' leagues 
in tow uh, the JV and varsity basketball, including the B League, which we discussed, as well as for volleyball, which has both the A and B League. Right now, we do have a girls' varsity and JV basketball score to announce, though, this past week. And what that had the intensity of a championship game, Bruria defeated Frisch 44-39. With the score at 20-12, to about two minutes left in the second, Bruria starter Nikki Bick picked up foul number four, forced to sit out until about the start of the fourth quarter. While she was on the bench, the rotation of Shira Hagler, Nahama Marilis, Chaya Levin, and Tali Becker helped Bruria keep a double-digit lead, most times swelled to 12 points. Uh, in the fourth quarter, halfway through, Bick would pick up foul number five. Startatova Weisskopf would follow thereafter, giving Frisch the opportunity to close the gap to about one. But uh, Brewery was able to hold off uh, down the stretch, fighting for every loose ball. Uh, Berlin hit a long three and four consecutive foul shots to help seal the game for Brewery. Brewery will next play SAR on Tuesday. In JV, in the first game since the championship victory last year for the JV Sting, the basketball team took on Frisch with strong aspirations for the coming season. The game started off slow and looked like it would be a defensive battle early on. Sophomore Helena Dweck supplied the offense in the first quarter with five points, uh, the only five points of the quarter. The offense picked up a bit in the second as SAR would head into halftime with a 12-6 lead. SAR scored 18 in the third to break the game open, led by Sophie Hecht finishing the game with a team-high 11 points. Going into the fourth, 20-point lead, Frisch's Sarah Lieberman went off nailing back-to-back jump shots, cutting into SAR's lead, but it would not be enough as SAR walked away with a 34-24 victory. Again, we'd like to announce more of these girls' scores, including girls' volleyball, if we get the chance, so please supply us with this so that we can shine the spotlight on these girls just as much as we've done for the boys to this point. ADs and coaches, we're looking directly at you for your help. We are almost out of time now. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to get back into our regular rotation of segments, including standings, a little more extended recaps, and more scores. Uh, We'll also look to get back into our words to the wise, or words from the wise, actually. Uh, This week, because of the lack of time, I'm just going to get into one that I think is a little little more self-explanatory from John Wooden. The main ingredient of stardom is the rest of the team. I, I think that speaks for itself. Not much explanation needed there. On next week's show, we will look to have Josh Kahane, the creator and organizer for the uh, Cooper Memphis Tournament, which is occurring at the end of this week. So hopefully we'll get him on the air just after the championship game is ended, and we'll get a full recap of all the action that goes on in Memphis this coming week. If you missed any part of this or any episode this season, you can catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday night at 7 p.m., or you can find the Court Report on iTunes or the Nachum Siegel Network app on just about any smartphone. Tomorrow morning, jam in the a.m. with Nachum Siegel from 6 to 9 a.m. live on the stream, NachumSiegel.com, or on your radio, 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, 91.9 FM, Rockland County. For more of me, you can hear me every Tuesday morning, starting this Tuesday morning on JM in the AM at around 7.20 with the Tuesday morning JM in the AM sports update. If you haven't visited the Court Report fan page on Facebook, please do so and click the Like tab. Let's get that number up. Again, if you have any results or uh, recaps for this coming week, please send them to me. Uh, You can reach me uh, by Twitter by Facebook. Just let me know about it so we can include it in next week's report, please, so we can make it as complete as possible. See you next week right here on the Court Report, only on the Nachum Siegel Network.